In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Ghost. Amen. Today on this Wednesday in the third week of Lent, when I'm celebrating my private Mass, and I have the opportunity now to speak to faithful around the country, I am celebrating the Mass of St. Cyril of Jerusalem, commemorating then the Feria of Lent. This day is the vigil, as it were, of the great feast of St. Joseph, but it also, very anciently, the feast of St. Cyril. Both East and West honor St. Cyril on this day since the earliest days. And I begin then the sermon by reading the Gospel, which is proper to today's Mass. Jesus said to his disciples, When they persecute you in one town, flee to another. Amen, I say to you, you will not have gone through the towns of Israel before the Son of Man comes. No disciple is above his teacher, nor is the servant above his master. It is enough for the disciple to be like his teacher, and for the servant to be like his master. If they have called the master of the house Beelzebub, how much more those of his household? Therefore do not be afraid of them, for there is nothing concealed that will not be disclosed, nothing hidden that will not be made known. What I tell you in darkness, speak in the light, and what you hear whispered, preach from the housetops. Do not be afraid of those who kill the body, but cannot kill the soul. Rather be afraid of him who is able to destroy both soul and body in hell. St. Cyril is one of the fathers of the Church and a doctor of the Church. The Gospel, which has been chosen for his feast today, and which we find for other fathers of that time, is chosen by the Church because of the fact that Cyril was a bishop during the Arian crisis. And like many saintly bishops of the time, he was driven several times into exile because of the political situation. The Roman Empire at the time, constantly changing in its loyalties, either toward the true faith or toward the Arians or semi-Arians. <clears throat> in celebrating the Feast of St. Cyril Jerusalem, we can recite today with special fervor the Creed as we do at Mass. It is of great historical interest that the Creed, which we recite at Mass, which we call the Creed of Nicaea, the Niceno-Constantinopolitan Creed, because it was finally codified at Constantinople, is in fact a Jerusalem Creed. It is very beautiful to know this fact, that although this Creed was finally, definitively codified at the Council of Constantinople in 381, it was nevertheless a Creed which was already being recited in the Church of Jerusalem. In fact, it was the emperor, Theodosius at the time, who had now just made Christianity the official religion of the empire, who insisted that this creed should be declared the creed of the Church at the Council of Constantinople. <clears throat> it is, in fact, then, more ancient than the creed that had been proclaimed in 325 at the Council of Nicaea, 
such that we may say that the oldest of all creeds is the one which is proper to our Roman church, that is what is called the Apostles' Creed, a very ancient Roman symbol of our faith. After that, however, the creed that St. Cyril speaks to us of in his writings, this creed which was recited at Jerusalem, is the second oldest. And so it is of a very great antiquity, the creed that we recite at Holy Mass. When we think of the creed we recite at Mass, of course we think especially of the Trinitarian faith which is professed there. Nevertheless, St. Cyril of Jerusalem, unlike St. Cyril of Alexandria, who will come a generation later, is not primarily a doctor of any of the doctrines concerning the incarnate word or the three persons of the Trinity. No, he he comes down to us especially as the great catechist. St. Cyril gives us precious testimony of the practices of the Church of Jerusalem in the 4th century, especially the Holy Liturgy, the celebration of all the sacraments, but especially in minute detail, the celebration of Holy Mass. The St. Cyril can truly come down to us as a doctor of the Mass, and especially a doctor of the real presence. We must wait for the councils of the Middle Ages, and of course of our greatest doctor, St. Thomas Aquinas, to have the word transubstantiation enshrined in Catholic teaching. With St. Cyril, however, we already have the fullness of this doctrine, the fact that at Holy Mass, what is, at the beginning, bread and wine, become the body and blood, soul and divinity of Christ. This is why... St. Cyril is one, of the doctrine, is one of the doctors who has the great blessing, the great honor of being cited during the octave of Corpus Christi. He was, in the traditional celebration of that feast, one of the preachers we would hear at Matins because of his illustrious doctrine on the Real Presence and on Holy Mass. <clears throat> he is a doctor, then, whom we may read with fervor at this time, and whose intercession especially we should implore at this time. During this time in the church and the world, the prior general of the institute, Monsignor Vach, declares that what is needed most at this time is saints. We must pray that God raises up saints now in our time. That is why, although we find and celebrate only few saints' days during Lent because of the importance of concentrating on the time of penance and on the mysteries of our Lord, his passion and death. The saints that do fall this time are ones whose intercession we should most certainly invoke, and especially today, St. Cyril of Jerusalem. During this time when so many of the faithful around the world must content themselves with making a good and fervent spiritual communion, and do not have access to the sacraments, we implore St. Cyril's intercession for them and for the entire world, that this whole world may convert, be converted to a true and burning faith in the real presence of our Lord, 
and the most blessed sacrament in all the altars of the world, even to the end of time. St. Cyril of Jerusalem, pray for us. In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Ghost. Amen. Amen.